Welcome to Spirits Podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda. And I'm Julia. And this is episode 116, La Llorona with Elena Fernandez Collins. I am very excited. Uh, Ellie is a, a good friend of ours and is also very knowledgeable, and it was wonderful to have her on the show. This was one of my favorites to record, and we are so excited to share it with you, the listeners. Yes. Uh, so... Speaking of our listeners, we have some new patrons this week. Yay! Thank you and welcome to Mark, Brett, Desmond, Perry, Jessica, Hannah, Aina, and Ida Maria. And thank you, as always, to the supporting and legend-level producers whose names we know so well. Philip, Julie, Eeyore, Kathy, Vinny, Danica, Marissa, Sammy, Josie, Neil, Jessica, Phil Fresh, and Deborah on the supporting producer side. And those legends, you know them, we know them, everyone loves them. Ayla, Jess, Sarah, Zoe, Sandra, Audra, Mercedes, Jack Marie, and Leanne. We know that if y'all ran into La Llorona, she would not bother you. 100%. That's how cool you are. Totally. And Julia, tell us, what were we drinking this episode? Did you know that there is actually a La Llorona cocktail, Amanda? I did not because you tell me what I'm drinking after I drink it, which I That's don't recommend true. with anybody except your BFF. I've been mixing cocktails for as long as Amanda and I could legally drink. Wink. Mom um, and dad. And so I uh, I definitely, I, I she has learned to trust me with my cocktail mixing abilities. This one is made with Pisco. It is delicious. It is bitter. And if you are one of our patrons at the Recipe Card tier... You're going to get a copy of that in your inbox. Beautiful. And actually, speaking of delicious cocktails, my recommendation for the week, Julia, is canned limoncello margaritas. Okay. Interesting choice. Tell me more. Yes, that is a real thing. Uh, we were actually uh, fortunate enough to get sent some, which like this is my literal dream is to have alcohol companies be like, hey, here is some booze for you to enjoy. And I'm like, thank you. Um, so Fabrizia Lemoncello is the company that reached out. They sent us a box of their margaritas. They have like margarita mix that you can just pour out of the bottle and also these really adorable, convenient little cans. And every time I see like a bad limerita at a supermarket, I'm like, Ugh, who who would do this? But then I'm able to put a limoncello margarita in my purse in just a can. And I'm like, me. I would do it, but it tastes really good, and we thank them for reaching out. So that's my recommendation for the week. So you saved me one for when I come over next, Oh, right? I saved you three. Also this week, I would love to recommend and thank our two sponsors. There's Skillshare, where Skillshare.com slash Spirits2 will get you two months of Skillshare Premium for free, and Zola, where you can get your free wedding website and 50 bucks off your registry at Zola, Z-O-L-A dot com slash spirits. At the time of recording this, we are leaving for this week to go to Portland for the Listen Up Festival. If you're going to be there, we are excited to see you. If not... Sorry, uh, the tickets are sold out, but we're excited to put on another great show in like the same, basically the same 30 day period that we put on three other live shows. I'm very excited. You know, we're starting off the year with a bang and we definitely have more shows in store for 2019. Like we'll be able to announce them at some point in the next month or so. So the best way to stay up to date on everything creepy, cool and multitude is to go to multitude.productions and sign up for our mailing list. You should do it, Amanda puts a lot of effort into making it very, very cute. And it's so purple. And she's wonderful. And the newsletter is wonderful. Ah, thanks. I do my best. But let's not keep the listeners any longer from this excellent episode. So y'all enjoy episode 116, La Llorona with Elena Fernandez Collins. 
Listeners, welcome. A lot of you, I'm going to say, a couple months ago at this point, uh, sent us a trailer for a movie. And the movie just, it looked real bad. It looked real bad, guys. I'm not going to lie. It was about mythology. So I understand why they sent it to us. I, but I, I get we were it. both like, oh, no. But we saw it and we're like, wow, that's a lot of white people for a uh, Mexican <laughs> folklore story. Um, so I was like, we should do that. We should do an episode on that. I'm like, I am also a white woman. <laughs> so I probably don't want to do that myself. So today we've invited Elena Fernandez Collins on the show. She's a podcast critic and journalist. Ellie, welcome. Hello. Thank you Our for good, good having me. Hello. Our good, good friends. Hello. Good, friend. Ellie, how are you doing today? How, how are you for the listeners? Do you have a drink in hand? Are you feeling good? Uh, it's it's way too early over here for me to be drinking. Um. <laughs> Slander. Blasphemy. <laughs> it's, it's afternoon there. It's okay. It is five o'clock, the somewhere where I am. Therefore, it's okay. Therefore, it's fine. Um, I have water. The, that the is good. bold choice. Yeah, <laughs> Stay hydrated. So, Ellie, you're going to talk to us about La Llorona, correct? I am. And is that a story that you grew up with? Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, so I grew up in Puerto Rico. Uh, I was born there. I lived there for 18 years. My parents still live there. I should note, my mother is white. I am not Afro-Latinx. Um, I pass as a white person. So I have that privilege that I'm coming from as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did grow up with La Llorona, both in my household in a way, but mostly in my community and with my friends. I, I hope not literally in your household. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, just uh, hopefully, from what I've heard, maybe yeah, not that. Not in my house. I wouldn't be here if it had been in my house. That is true. <laughs> I know nothing, uh, as is usual for our recordings. So I'm very excited to hear what this myth is about. I've only ever seen it, um, like Julia said, recommended to us on Twitter, where I was like, oh, it seems scary, but also a reduction of what it probably actually is. So uh, yeah, I would love to just get the the bones of the story from you. Yeah, we can do that. So La Llorona is a, is a Latin American myth, right? It's not just from Puerto Rico, right? It's as as is obvious in the trailer, it's also found very heavily in Mexico, across many islands in the Caribbean and some other parts of Latin America. The basic part of the story is that there is this indigenous woman. It's from Spanish colonizer times, of course. <laughs> mm-hmm. Aren't aren't they all? Aren't they all? Uh, and there's this indigenous woman who falls in love with a Spaniard. They have children together. Whether or not they're married is is a variant in the in the story, but they have children together. And whether or not he's in love with her is also a variant in the story. Mm. Um, <laughs> would would it really be a good story if the man wasn't potentially unfaithful? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, and so, you know, they have kids together, and the number of kids also varies a ton. Um, <laughs> you know what? This makes me think it's probably more... Uh, likely to be an actual story because someone was like, no, 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 I heard there were seven kids. No, 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 I heard there were three. And that just makes me think that there is something real and it's not just like making it up. You are very intelligent because there is, and I will get to that. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Amazing. We really don't plan these guys. I just, <laughs> I just sweep in and sometimes my predictions are, are right. Hashtag yeah. little bagman. Amanda is just very insightful all of the time and it's kind of no. ridiculous. And sometimes it ruins, little bagman. it ruins my moments, but it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> and so they have kids together and then uh, he abandons her either because 
he has fallen out of love with her or because he was never in love with her in the first place and she wants to get married and he laughs in her face or sometimes it's because he's worried about what marrying her is going to mean for him socially and he abandons her and she goes mad with grief when she finds out that he has decided to marry a high-class Spanish noblewoman Uh, and she drowns her children. I mean, not my first reaction to that kind of thing, but understandable. Exactly. She drowns her children and she realizes what she's done after they're dead and then she commits suicide also in the same river. I think probably my favorite version of this story when I was growing up was the one where she sees them in a carriage going by like on the street and she like goes insane in like five seconds and throws her children into the river. Just just tosses them, tosses just eats them, them in. just straight up eats them. Gotcha. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> that's literally that's how it's described. Is that she she throws them into the river and then throws herself in after them. She's killed her children, killed herself, and now she wanders that section of wherever it is that she has supposedly died, wailing, crying for her lost children. The Catholic version of this story. There's a lot of versions of this story. I'm very excited for the Catholic version. Go on. <laughs> the Catholic How could it version get of this more story macabre? has a little coda. And the coda says that she, when she dies, she goes to the gates of heaven, but whoever it is that's that's guarding heaven, I've forgotten the name. I'm not Catholic. St. Peter, I that think. One, says that that is like horrified by what she's done and says that she can't come in until all of her family, i.e. her children, are present with her. Oh no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so she has to wander the earth. In this case, it's like usually like the earth or whatever, looking for her children. And sometimes she steals children who look like hers, who are not hers, right? And she kills them. I mean, that's wow. an interesting method. Yeah. <laughs> That's, sure, sure. And I always thought that was kind of bonkers. It is it is very Catholic. Let's it's be real here. So very Catholic. Catholic. It's it's very Catholic. Probably also like one of the other very Catholic addendums to the story is that sometimes her name is Maria, which is why not? A Spanish not? white person name? <laughs> yeah. And so when I was when I was growing up, when I was really little, this was the basic story, right? It was an indigenous woman and a Spanish colonizer, and he causes her to go mad with grief and kill her children and do this horrible thing. Um, when I was in high school uh, in like 2004, I guess ish, it became this like really big thing again in my town. Everybody started talking about it again, and it, it took on this new form called La Llorona de Lajas. So Lajas is a town in PR, and supposedly there had been sightings of a, like, crying woman wandering this bridge in Lajas. People's parents started warning their children against wandering at night. We were, like, teenagers. We were, like, 14 or 15. And I had other people's parents tell me to not wander the streets at night. Wow. Yeah. I mean, all teens love to do is wander the streets at night, in fairness. That is exactly. true. That's just all we do all day long. It's a universal truth. <laughs> My parents' version of that was not to hang out in front of the Dunkin' Donuts, because apparently that's where all the vagrants in North America hang out. Oh, God. We also, sorry to disrupt. No, you're fine. We also had the Gilgo murders, um, like, when we well, were in high school. Well, that's true. That is that true. Was, we- yeah. They happened in high school, and then we were discovered in college, where they were suddenly like, hey, there's, like, many, many uh, people's remains in your public beach. And we were like, oh, so, uh, yeah, they should have been focusing more on the uh, unlit, isolated state parks and less in the uh, at the Tuck of Donuts. Wow. That's okay. I feel yeah. like everyone has a really traumatic story from high school <laughs> about a potential murder that happened. Oh, isn't yeah. That, isn't that just like how small towns are? 
Yeah, pretty much. So in Lajas, was there like an implication that there was danger or just that there was like this pub- this person being, you know, like grieving in public and that was just like uncomfortable? There was like an implication of danger. Right. And what was really interesting about La Llorona de Lajas was that the story changed. Suddenly, there was this story going around about a, a woman who had died in a car accident on that bridge in the 90s. Ooh. Oh. And and either she was young and she was crying for her parents, or she was older and she was uh, crying for her children and stealing away children. And if, if she was a child, then she was stealing children so that they could be friends with her. Oh, no. Yeah. Hey, here's my tea party. Yep. By the way, you're dead now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just Hill House is what you just described. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm, pretty much. <laughs> uh, and so that that was a... I didn't actually remember that until after you were looking for people to talk about La Llorona. And I was like, oh, right. There was that weird time when suddenly she was like from the 90s and died I, in a horrible car accident. I wonder why the crime had to be so old. I, I guess because, as we've discussed, like fresh ghosts aren't as scary. They aren't, um, yeah. So... I, I mean, was that did that seem plausible? Were people just kind of like, "Oh, this is creepy. I don't want to touch it." Yeah, pretty much. They were they were like, "Oh, this is creepy. We don't want to we don't want to look at it." And then sometime in 2012, so this is after I left the island, so I'm a little bit hazier on this part. But apparently, there were some people that were actually faking the the ghost appearance of La Llorona de Lajas. Oh, like dressing up, and they got discovered. By a group of ghost hunters? Yes. yes! Coming through Zach Bagans. <laughs> oh, so good. <laughs> Some kind of local group of ghost hunters that I have uh, I've never heard of, but this apparently happens. This put them on the map. And now they, they call it El Fraude de la, de la Llorona. The, the fraud That's of, so of funny. La Llorona. That's so cool. Yeah. That's so cool. I love that. It's... I, I mean, like, it's kind of crappy for someone to pretend yeah. to be a ghost and whatnot. Sure. And it kind of reminds me of the, like, 2016 clown, like, thing that was happening. The mm-hmm. creepy clown yeah. thing. I really do like people perpetuating a myth in that kind of way, even if it seems, like, more physical and tactical, even if it is fake. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's mind-boggling. I think... And this is the part that I'm, I'm very hazy on. I think that the people who were faking it were also another group of ghost hunters. That's a little uh, worse. We it's need details. Like, well, wait, <laughs> really? Immediately. So either it was no, just some, I mean, some local group of like kids or it was a group of like amateur ghost hunters or something. But in any case, there was like this fraud that was uncovered about La Llorona de Lajas. And it apparently caused a lot of people to get really angry, which I understand. Don't. Fake pretend that you're a ghost, people. Yeah. Just in general. Like, maybe <laughs> don't. Like, parents are already so worried about teenagers all the time. So giving them more to worry about and then being like, lol, I'm I'm a kid. And then a ghost hunter is here and for once has discovered something. That's just, that's just like a lot is happening right now. Yeah, it's really shitty. Julia, I am now a full-time business owner and runner. And you it's are. lovely. Also, really hard. And there's a lot that I didn't know I needed to do. Um, And one of those is even though we have a gorgeous logo, we have a great name. I'm super happy with everything that you see when you go to multitude.productions. There's a lot about branding and talking about your company that I didn't really realize was a thing. So this week on Skillshare, our sponsor for the week, I looked at this class called the Staples of Branding from Purpose to Product with Jeff Staple, um, which I think is hilarious because it's a pun. (laughs) Very Um, good. 
And there's a lot of discussion about like taking a, a thought about a company and making it into an actual thing, whether it's a product or something like, you know, a whole company. Um, and I really appreciated it, even though we're already out there, it helped me to kind of rethink and refocus on what it is that you have to think about when you make something that the rest of the world sees. So I highly recommend that you go to Skillshare.com spirits two and sign up for a two month long free trial of Skillshare premium. Yeah. Skillshare has over over 25,000 classes in stuff like design, business, and more. And so you discover countless ways to fuel your curiosity, creativity, and career. Like Amanda's saying, she is now running a business. She's a full-time business owner, and she is crushing it. But you could be crushing it more by taking a couple classes with Skillshare. Totally. Got to keep that continuing ed uh, requirement, not a requirement, but a, a, a thing that I still think is really important. Um, mm-hmm. And there's nowhere better online to do it than Skillshare, which is the best online learning community for creators. And like we said, you can go to Skillshare.com spirits two to get two months free trial with their uh, premium membership. That's in the link of the episode description. And again, Skillshare.com spirits two. Amanda, I'm still in the process of planning a wedding. Yep. And you know what has made it so much easier? What? I started using Zola. Zola is a wedding company that, as they say, will do anything for love. And they are reinventing the wedding planning and registry experience to make the happiest moments in a couple's lives so much easier. Wedding planning is stressful. I'm not going to tell you that it's not, but Zola makes it so much easier. Over 500,000 couples have used Zola or are using it now. Uh, They help you make a free wedding website. They help you create your dream wedding registry. And they have these affordable save the dates and invitations. They have easy to use planning tools. Everything is all in one place. So I don't have to go to a million websites trying to figure out how to put my wedding together. Zola's got me covered there. And, you know, I recently saw a a wedding that I was invited to had a Zola website and they had an FAQ there. So it answered questions like, wait, what does this dress code actually mean? And like, where should I stay? Which was really, you know, really useful because there are so many details to think of. And I personally appreciate that Zola has uh, same-sex couples on their subway ads, which I just think is really nice. Hey, thanks, Zola. Thanks for that. The nice part is, too, when you are creating your Zola website, they have over 100 different website designs to choose from. So you can find the like right design for you. You know, it's sometimes it's really, really hard to find something that matches exactly your aesthetic. But Zola makes it really easy with a bunch of different designs to choose from. That's awesome. And when you do make your registry, you can choose actual products or you can create a fund for like your honeymoon, your future home, kids or new pets, really anything you want, which I think is really sweet. Um, I I contributed to somebody's Zola registry and put in my comments, please buy an elaborate brunch um, with this money. (laughs) And uh, I, I hear that it went very well. You can register with anyone from Cuisinart to Airbnb, or people can buy you gift cards to Delta or Hulu or Home Depot, which you know I want a Home Depot on real bad. That's really exciting. Well, if you want to start your free wedding website and get 50 bucks off your registry, go to Zola.com slash spirits. That's Z-O-L-A dot com slash spirits. Z-O-L-A dot com slash spirits. And you can get your free wedding website and get $50 off your registry on Zola. Thanks, Zola. Now let's get back to the show. So I mentioned earlier that you were right about the implication that there's some sort of real yeah. part to this. Mm-hmm. And slash, oh, I'm sorry, because it's very tragic. Yeah, it is going to get tragic up in here. Spirits podcast. There was this 
real historical figure, a woman uh, who has many names at this point. This has some association, though not necessarily origin, in in Mexico. There's this Nahua woman that's a indigenous group to Mexico called, and her name was Malinagi. She's also called La Malinche. And she was a Nahua interpreter for Hernán Cortés. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so she ended up having a child with Hernán Cortés. Probably not a, not by choice, but uh, moving on from that. Yeah. Man, all of this is so wrapped up in yeah. those power dynamics <sighs> and colonization. and Exactly. Oof. She was a slave. She was, there was like a huge like sex slavery, like trafficking in that time between those people. And unfortunately, because there's also massive quantities of patriarchy everywhere you turn, she became a figure of betrayal. There's actually a term in Spanish, malinchista, which means someone who has betrayed their their culture in favor of foreign Oof. expressions. Oof. Yeah, it's, so it's like, like, it's really loaded. <laughs> so like, not only did she probably get raped by Cortez, she got turned on by her own people as well. How right. that is, yeah, that is a lot. <laughs> so the thing is, like, she was like an interpreter, and she supposedly I'm, I'm hazy on like which parts of the history are like confirmed and which ones are not. But she like mm. knew of some attack plans that her people were going to be ambushing Cortes, and then she told Cortes that they were happening. But the thing is, like, there's like a huge power dynamic there that, or even if that happens, she was yeah, probably she could be like afraid for her so. life. Right. Yeah. Oof. That's um, and at the same time, like I understand that that you like it's it's almost easier to believe that one person could change loyalty than to sort of like reckon with the massive shift in like situation that your people, your nation is facing. You know what I mean? Like it's it's just so much more to contemplate that like, well, this is a situation we're all in now fighting together than to say, oh, well, this one person made a bad choice and and that is, you know, an isolated incident. Right, exactly. You're completely right. I mean, the the history of, of Malinagi, and I'm, I'm not using, I'm not going to call her La Malinche because I don't want to use that word. Her history is like super tangled up in all of this, this colonizer, this colonizer effect, right? There's this perception of, like, what she did and why that was wrong. And there's, she's not a victim ever. Okay. Uh, there was actually a statue of of her and I think her children in a, like, student campus in Mexico City. I'm not sure about that one. This is in a, and it got pulled down. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, that's that seems so loaded. Just yeah. like the the cultural significance of it and the history behind it is so loaded, and the fact that you're you, like you said, it's kind of hard to tell what is what is fact and what is fiction, and that like level of legend in it mm-hmm. is probably so divisive if you're looking at it from a from a uh, scholarly perspective. Yeah, there's been a lot of scholarship on her. I I don't have any kind of specialization in Mexican history, so. This is the barest bones of what I know. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I do know is that uh, there's an associated legend, and I'm almost 100% sure that it is legend, that she then, that she at some point killed the kid that she had with Cortes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how she gets associated with La Llorona. And some people mark her as some kind of origin point because of that whole betrayal aspect. You know, because mm-hmm. this other legendary figure, La Llorona, betrays her family 
because she goes mad with grief. Mm-hmm. And so there's that association. And it's just real rough. Yeah. And it's it's so interesting, too, because if you're looking at, like, kind of just the patriarchal elements of the story, like, the worst thing in this in this story in particular, the worst thing you could possibly do that as a mother is to kill your children. Mm-hmm. And so, like, this, this story is so loaded with that kind of guilt and that societal guilt. It's like, you that's, as a woman, the worst thing she could do is give birth to a person and then kill them. And it's just, it's so, and there's, like, there's plenty of other uh, stories in other cultures that have that, but it feels like so much more when you kind of load it with the history that white people have with Latin America. Mm-hmm. It makes it it makes it all the all the much more worse, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And like much. it's a it's a fiction that under colonialism or imperialism, anyone has agency. Like mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a system, you know, forced on to someone else. And you want to feel like you have agency, you can make choices, you can determine your own history within it. Um, but these retelling of of these women's stories um make it seem as if they like make a bad choice when in fact like options were were taken away from them and then they're just like left there to to deal um so it's i like i i see all of the you know threads that form this tapestry but it's still a fucked up tapestry it is uh i also like notice how um these stories end up going towards the like the women are crazy uh right fiction mm. The the women can't be in control of their emotions fiction, um, which is used a lot here. Uh, and the other way that I see this is La Llorona is a really popular myth to capitalize on uh, in advertising. Really? <laughs> yes, really? There is a Got Milk ad with La Llorona. <laughs> Yes. What? <laughs> yep. That's horrifying. <laughs> yep. Please tell me more. It's it's this it's a house. And there's this crying woman in a bridal gown walking through the house. And she's she's a ghost. She's, like, semi-transparent. So she's crying and wandering the house and, like, like hysterical. And then she opens the fridge and finds the milk and is, like... Oh, my God. Yeah. It's <laughs> and that's just the tip that, of the iceberg. Like, that is not the end of ads that I have seen with her. That is the most capitalist, hetero-patriarchal thing I have literally ever heard. <laughs> It's it's like this whole uh, like structure says or implies to women that the best way to survive is to uh, be accepting and to accept the the like rules and whims and uh, structures of the men, whether it's your father and then your husband, the government, whatever um, puts in front of you. Because if you rebel too much or if you are, I don't know, if you exist and your husband decides to leave you, then the only the like the only logical reaction, which is to, you know, to be devastated or to have this like seismic shift of your world changing, even if there wasn't love present, it's still like you're in a whole different scenario socially, you've been stigmatized, whatever. And and to react in the same volume that, you know, matches the stuff that was done to you is labeled as crazy, mm-hmm. like you point out, Elena. And anything and like it, the the myth wants you to be like okay i'll i'll go on yeah and and just to like i don't know it, it just wants women to be obedient and quiet and not to not to be public with their like grief or anger yep. uh and 
and that's why like the idea of a of a woman like or an apparition whatever you know crying in public in a bridge it's like there's a lot to cry about in the world and if any of us stop and think about it for a minute like i don't you get it and that's just like that's destabilizing or something in a way that i understand why parents would be like no 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 uh and and try to like close the door on it yeah pretty much it you're dead on like the (laughs) and i'm gonna like show that you're dead on by noting that people who got warned about La Llorona, at least in my experience, anecdata, <laughs> were only <laughs> women, girls, teenage girls. Oh, it didn't even occur to me that boys would be warned. Yeah, Isn't exactly. That I, I wanted yeah. to make that clear to like anyone who might be listening who was like, oh, well, it was all children, right? Because the thing is like the, the children that she kills are usually like they're like sons usually or they're twins. Hmm. Right, but only women get warned about La Llorona? Well, because those are like the quote-unquote valuable children, probably. Like, those are, if you want to, like, maximize the tragedy, that probably is is a detail you add. Right. The younger the children, the more likely it was that they got, that everyone got warned, right? Mm. So mm-hmm. we, when I was in middle school, uh, everyone was talking about how, like, their moms, always their moms. It's always the moms. It's always the moms. We're like, oh, don't walk around this street at night, La Llorona's out there and she she's going to take you. Not she might take you, she is going to. Oh no. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> That's somehow just so much worse. Be like, so Mom, come on. <laughs> come well, on. obviously. Uh, and then as I got older, it became more the women that were receiving these warnings. And in my my head, my instinct is, it reminds me of when, um, when parents will tell you about like having safe sex and like watching out for like, you know, dark street corners and stuff like that. They're not warning the boys. They're warning the women. Yep. It's just more of that. It's more of that. Yeah, because the world happens at you. And, yeah. you know, rightly, you have to be like, uh, I understand why you have to like guard yourself against stuff that does happen to women, disproportionately women of color, disproportionately indigenous women every day. Um, and yet, you know, only focusing on the the like measures we can take to kind of mitigate the tragedy that's like apparently ultimately coming our way. Um, like that that is fucked up too, because there are things we need to change yeah. and focusing on the perpetrators of violence and not not the people who are like inevitably there to receive it unless they're like on a different street at night. Um, the phrase the world happens at you is a fantastic phrase, Amanda. Great oh, job. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yep. I agree. That's definitely been my experience. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, and also when, when we're talking about La Llorona in particular in, in Puerto Rico, um, cause I don't have any personal experience with it, um, anywhere else, uh, really the changes in the story to no one's surprise, it have coincided pretty heavily with changes in government. Interesting. Um, yeah. Hmm. So, uh, when, when people who were in power who were pro-statehood around the time that the story about the automobile accident happened. Hmm. Wow. And then the people who were in in power who were pro-status quo, so staying the way we are right now, other one about the indigenous woman was prevalent, I should say. In the words... In the words of John Mulaney, we don't have time to unpack all of that. Yeah. But do you have do you have some ideas of like why that is? Only vaguely half formed ones. Like at at some point, I wonder if I'm just like finding connections where there aren't any. Hey, that's what this show is all about. Please. Yeah. Uh, yeah welcome. I'm glad you got the email. <laughs> but I think part of it might be because uh, a lot of mythology is used to refocus on different parts of your culture. And if you're trying mm-hmm. to become a state, 
You don't want to focus on the bits that mean that you are in a state. Having the like oh, yeah. focusing on the tragedies of an indigenous population. Gotcha. So making right, it like more nationalist and more globalized. Exactly. Yeah, like ever upward, eyes forward, let's focus on the now. Yeah. Oof. And so you you end up the myth that ends up being prevalent um is the one that is, you know, modern uh and doesn't mm. have as much colonizer baggage associated with it because that's not what you want people to think about. Um I really hope there's a band named Colonizer Baggage. If there is right? now. <laughs> It's our new uh, our girl, new girl punk name. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm actually interested that that kind of in my head, and this might be like a big leap, but it kind of reminds me of the um, Cultural Revolution in China, and how like the change in leadership kind of dictated what stories were prominent and how those stories are being told. Just basically the idea that like. The Cultural Revolution was, hey, we are going to be new and globalize and modernize. And so the way that we tell our stories, our cultural stories are more important that we kind of tell them in the presence of the now rather than in the like confines of the past. Yeah. And and like Ellie said, the the colonizer baggage, you know, makes makes this seem different than the nationhood mm-hmm. than like then the whole yeah. um so that that totally checks out in, in my mind yeah. i am not a, a cultural <laughs> anthropologist or or folklorist who could talk to this but no. in my layperson opinion mm-hmm. love it yeah and i suppose there, there needs to be like an added note here like, like star footnote addendum to remember that the story about the the woman who dies in the automobile accident is associated very heavily with the people who are faking it Mm-hmm. Right. Yep, um, yep. That's it's the same story. So uh, I have no idea if if they made up that story and managed to like spread it around, or if it came from somewhere else. That's a complete mystery to me. But it's still a story that someone found significant and timely to bring up now, um, mm-hmm. and that had an impact on people around it. And the way that people interpreted it still has like significance. Right. And we see that in our uh, Urban Legends episodes when we talk about those. It's we see a lot of stories that have kind of adapted over time for each different uh, generation. So kind of adding different parts and different aspects to it that kind of become important to the generation that is telling it is how these stories kind of stay in the consciousness of the society. I'm literally just thinking about growing up and interacting with these kinds of urban legends, which was especially interesting for me because my parents are both atheists and skeptics. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't actually grow up with this in my household, except as like them being like, oh, someone's spreading this story around again. (laughs) (laughs) Now, see, I'm, I'm, I don't want to get too far from the the point of the episode, but I'm curious as to like what kind of other urban legends you grew up with uh, in Puerto Rico. Everyone's gonna facepalm all at once. La chupacabra. Yes, excellent. No facepalms, only excellence. <laughs> uh, that was a big one where I was from. So I lived in Mayagüez. Uh, Mayagüez is a uh, western town. Um, it's the at the time the most second most populated town after San Juan. Mm-hmm. Pretty heavily industrialized with some large areas of like of campo, I guess like country okay. parts. And so I grew up in the mountains. Like I grew up in the middle of nowhere. Ah, where folklore flourishes. The best. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. La Chubacabra and La Llorona were honestly the two main ones that, that we had in Mayagüez. Um, there were some stories about like other types of ghosts over bridges. Um, 
Man, people love bridge ghosts. People just those liminal spaces. There was supposedly a ghost on the bridge at the bottom of my mountain that you had to like go over to get up. Were there any like practices you had to do, like raise your feet over the bridge or something else like that? No. It was no, just, just there. hanging out. Hanging just out. There. We don't it know what her so deal you know. was, but <laughs> there was no gender. There was no story. It just hung out being a ghost as far as cool. I know. I mean, Sounds that's pretty chill. That's my ghost dreams. Just hanging out. <laughs> that's how I just feel. Whatever. Like if there are mice in my building, as long as I never see them, I'm I'm fine with that. Like I can cohabitate with other species as long as they just never make their presence known to me. That's fine. Yeah, pretty much. If you want creepy stuff, this is one from from where I I was looking it up because it's from again Lajas. Something's up with Lajas. I don't know. It's a hotbed of paranormal activity, and we're into it. <laughs> and it's called Los Desmembrados. Which means the Ooh. dismembered. I, I could have guessed that. I've never taken any Spanish. <laughs> yeah. Could have guessed that. Uh, so it's supposedly the people in Lajas have witnessed incomplete bodies wandering around the 116 Whoa. road. I have a yeah. question. I have a question and it is what part of it is incomplete? Torsos without limbs, bodies from the waist down, things All like right. that. Cool, cool, um, cool. Whoa. Uh, and supposedly they're like the... the Bits of bodies left over after car accidents and stuff. Um, oof, oof, that is that very is morbid, dark. Uh, I should striking. note also that PR has a lot of car accidents. It's like really dangerous to drive in in on the island. So I'm not surprised there's this much association with car accidents, actually. But that is so interesting. You, you've created your own spirit and cryptid based on something that is one like pretty new to the uh, to mm-hmm. the island, all things considered, like yeah. historically, and, and you've you've created something that is like wholly unique, which is really really interesting. I love. Yeah, I've never I heard love of that the before. creation of folklore so much. Yeah, bits of bits of bodies. I don't. That's. I mean, like, not not like the most like wonderful thing. It's not like, oh, we have this this mermaid that is unique. It's yeah. like, nope, they're bits of bodies, but still <laughs> very cool. <laughs> but I also love the description of them as incomplete. Yeah, <laughs> like that's just it's just it's very charming, and I love it a lot. Uh, I was actually going to bring this back to the thing that started the episode, which was this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched the trailer. Oh boy! <laughs> Please tell us. What's happening? <laughs> Don't know. What? Don't know. Why is, why is she white? Why, why, is, why is she white, though? Why is she white, though? Like. <laughs> Listen, I love Linda Cardellini. She was a fantastic Velma in the Scooby-Doo series. But she doesn't have to be in this movie. There's no reason. There's no purpose whatsoever. No reason. There's plenty of, like, Latin American, if you don't want to get specific, there's plenty of Mexican actresses out there who can <laughs> make this happen. Like... <laughs> Uh, even if you don't want to, you know, find someone who is Mexican, there's plenty of Mexican-American actresses out there, too. Like, that uh, is true. It's like a weird way to phrase that, but like from Mexico, like currently living there. So for for context for our listeners, it's so it's part of the Conjuring series, uh, which is based off of the like investigations of the Warrens, who you might know oh. from the Amityville Horror House and the the creepy doll whatever the hell its name is so it's based off of that guy's series of books and the warrens investigations i don't think the warrens have anything to do with this i hope not because they're a bunch of white people again don't need any more of those we're good thanks mm-hmm. um but yeah i think linda carnalini is supposed to be like a 
American social worker or something. Yeah, it takes place in Los Angeles. I mean, oh there there is a a strong Mexican and Latinx population in Los Angeles, so that makes some sense, but not yep. just. But like, uh, there is so much more interesting possibilities to bring to the table in terms of like migration, the ongoing, you know, failures of the state for people of color, especially Mexican Americans. Like there there's lots of ways that you can make a really interesting movie in 2018 about La Llorona and and I don't think this is one of them. I I agree. Uh, I am. I found an article in Remescla, and sorry, I'm just reading the sentence, and I'm trying to say it with a straight face, but I can't. As Twitter users were quick to ask, where then? Where are then all the Mexicans? <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> Thank you, Twitter users. All right, I have. I have a a question for you, Ellie. If you were to make a Liona movie, what would it look like? Or audio drama. Or audio drama, because we know you love audio drama. It's true, I do. If I were making it, I would set it in Puerto Rico because I want to work with within my realm of experience for this. Sure. Um, like I said throughout the episode, there's a lot of variations on the myth, depending on where you are and who you are. And some of those are like intricately tied with things that I have no experience with, like being Catholic. Um... It's fair. It's a very weird experience. Speaking as one. <laughs> also, I'm so sorry. Can we revisit the theology of that heaven, of that like yeah. at the pearly gates thing? Like yep. the Catholic tradition holds that baptized babies go to heaven. And if these children were, were baptized Catholic, as they likely were, if the Spanish Catholic colonizer was involved, uh, then th- there it would be on the mom to go find them. Go the find souls the would souls be in heaven baby. already. Yeah, no. Come on, St. Peter, you're drunk. <laughs> or <laughs> drunk get your shit together. <laughs> drunk on that communion wine. The only way that this ever made any sense to me was that St. Peter didn't want an indigenous woman there. <laughs> I mean, so- probably true. Probably but then just a call like, out to St. Peter. Let's be real here. Be outright discriminatory as so many of you and your clergy are and yep. just send her away like there is a, like a system for that and it's called hell <laughs> via purgatory <laughs> and i just i don't get the, the additional like salting the wound of of freaking like denying her and sending her on a never-ending quest of sorrow and haunting it's supposed to, i think it's supposed to be one of those like weird morals that are terrible <laughs> also, don't kill my, your kids you won't get my into question heaven. Is, i don't i don't know yeah my question is how did a woman who in a, a fit of quote-unquote madness kill her children and then get to heaven, get to those pearly gates. Yeah. And St. Peter was like, yeah, you can come in. You just got to find your kids. I don't know. All of these stories seem to start with step one, don't get colonized. And like, frankly, that is not their fault. Yeah, pretty much. Not wrong. Anyway, back to your uh, movie slash audio drama. Uh, in Puerto Rico. And needless to say, I would be casting Puerto Ricans. Um, that is a wild concept. I know. Whoa. It's like shocking. Uh, stunning, I know. I don't want it to be a horror. La Llorona is a, it's a freaking ghost story, right? Like, obviously it's meant to scare people. Like, mm-hmm. that's what it's designed to do. What what people it's supposed to scare and how they're supposed to scare them is, you know, varies. But I don't want it to associate this continuous, all of these issues that we've pointed out with the way that it's treating indigenous women in particular back into, like, what I do. So what I want is that I I want to subvert that somehow. I would want to 
have it be like maybe the you know the story of La Llorona is is seen and witnessed at the beginning um in its traditional real world form but then someone experiences has an experience with La Llorona that subverts that and mm -hmm. we can talk about the effect of colonization and the effect of patriarchy on how women yeah. are portrayed in urban legends. I think and, that's awesome. Yeah. That's what I would want to do with it. So maybe not a movie. Maybe we're thinking like Netflix miniseries with like eight yeah. to 12 episodes. Very yeah. good. High budget. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, and I think that's, that's a really useful example to point out that like, I don't know, I don't criticize and point out uh, things like why is a white lady a protagonist of a movie about La Llorona just to point a finger, but to say like this, this is a useful opportunity for us to ask ourselves as individuals and as a society, why we tell the stories the way we do, the importance of how we frame those stories, which ones we choose to retell and, and with what actors in this case, like it's not, you know, I, I feel, I don't want to seem as if we're um, we're just pointing something out that is annoying for the sake of saying, oh, that's annoying. But like, this is how we learn and stories are how we determine and perpetuate and shift our values. And there is nothing more important than looking critically at the ones that we that we hold up. Ellie, are there any uh, stories, movies, books, audio dramas, et cetera, um, that you feel are fascinating representative or um otherwise like worth talking about and recommending instead of this dumb movie where should Hell people spend yeah. money to support puerto rican artists and uh latin american artists i do have all of those things in fact i'm going to start with time storm which is created by cocotazo media which is a audio and music uh artists collective uh of puerto ricans and latin americans but specifically puerto rican people they also have a variety podcast uh, called Cocotazo Theater. That's C-O-C-O-T-A-Z-O -O -O for people who Love can't it. understand my very fast Spanish. <laughs> um, but Time Thank Storm you. is their, their brand new podcast. It's a young adult podcast about these twins who are Puerto Ricans living in New Jersey who have the opportunity to travel back in time to preserve and record and observe history. Whoa. Yeah. Julia is making big wide I want it <laughs> eyes at the at the camera. Like, oh, that's true. so up my alley. It's not even funny. Yeah. They're doing that and it's very important to note that they're not there to change history. They can't. It's like in the in the rules. <laughs> mm -hmm. They're there wow. to observe history, especially history that has been tainted by uh, white supremacy and colonizer narratives. Oh, oh Ellie. I know. Oh, all, all of that. So good. I know. I love it so and much. It's, it's really nice. I mean, it's, it's, it's really wonderfully done, uh, from what I've heard so far. And I highly recommend that you check it out if you want young adult time travel adventures where they're trying to keep that a secret in their real life. So you also like have the experience of, of them like living their lives. Yeah. Uh, and it deals very heavily with Hurricane Maria um, because that had, a, as you can expect, had a huge effect on mm. the way that Puerto Ricans are creating art right now. Mm -hmm. And so there's there's a lot of that as well. And I think it's I think it's really important that we support those artists. So I highly recommend that you check out Time Storm. Yeah. And they have albums for purchase and merchandise for purchase, um, mm -hmm. as well as I think a donation button. So you can uh, put your money where your enjoyment is for cocotasomedia.com. We will link it in the show notes. 
Yay. Flyest Fables. <gasps> yes. Yes. I love this podcast so much. I'm so glad you agree with me, Julia. <laughs> <laughs> You're just making these recommendations. I'm like, Ellie, just like sit next to me and tell me like stuff I need to listen to for the next like 20 years. Okay, good. <laughs> Um, for those that don't know, Flyest Fables is, um, it's a connected anthology of sorts, um, uh, about this that starts with this, this, this kid, this, um, child, uh, who has, who finds a magic book that has his name on the cover, uh, and he gets to experience these fantasy adventures while he's dealing with, uh, bullying in school. And things like that. And it's it's really, it's super empowering audio because it's this has been constructed specifically for, to, to showcase like black children. The creator is Morgan Givens. Morgan Givens is amazing. He voices all of the characters. What? Differently. His his vocal range is truly astonishing. Um, he also writes and sings songs, like original music for each that like ties into the story it's and there's immersive sound design it this is an extremely well-constructed podcast um it's really wonderful it's it is also like the definition of hope punk for me which is this uh popular popular new category that that we have floating around uh because it's it's radically kind it's empathetic it's empowering it's positive and I just really recommend that everybody check it out. So that's Flyest Fables. And most importantly, please check out ElenaFernandezCollins.com where you can subscribe to one of my favorite newsletters about podcasting and follow all her excellent takes and reviews and super, super smart blog posts. Uh, I'm so lucky to be working in an industry where Elena is a journalist, genuinely, and uh, everybody should know your name and follow you on Twitter. Ah. (laughs) it's 100% true Elena does amazing work uh, and I will again link in the show notes her website thank you of course thank you for being on the show we're so glad you were able to come and talk about uh, La Llorona with us thank Thank you you for having me it was super fun it was absolutely and I say this with 100% honesty our absolute pleasure (laughs) (laughs) All right, uh, remember listeners to stay creepy Stay cool. Thanks again to our sponsors. Skillshare is an online learning community where you can learn or teach just about anything. Skillshare.com slash spirits2 will get you two months of Skillshare premium for free. And Zola. To start your free wedding website and get $50 off your registry, go to Zola, Z-O-L-A dot com slash spirits. Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider, with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us at Spirits Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr. We also have all of our episode transcripts, guest appearances, and merch on our website, as well as a form to send us your urban legends at spiritspodcast.com. Join our member community on Patreon, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast for all kinds of behind the scenes stuff. Just $1 gets you access to audio extras with so much more available too. Recipe cards, director's commentaries, exclusive merch, and real physical gifts. 
We are a founding member of Multitude, a collective of independent audio professionals. If you like spirits, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions. And above all else, if you liked what you heard today, please share us with your friends. That is the very best way to help us keep on growing. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time.